0: We've been in the You Asked For It series. Have you been enjoying that? Um, we, we, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I think honestly, the, in my humble opinion, it's the best series we've done since 2011 as we launched. Because uh, it is hitting us smack dab between the eyes, and it's allowing us to grow like Jesus, to grow deeper, as Ephesians 3 says, to grow deeper in the knowledge of his love. Because really, when everything passes away, there's only one thing that's never going to fade away, is his love. And so the question today is a tough question because every single person in our society, especially our American culture, is struggling with this question, this very question. And it goes like this. Go ahead. The first slide. Is it Christian to support the people with the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender lifestyle? I don't know how to answer. And I guess the question really is, is it Christian to support non-Christian groups? And by non-Christian, I believe that they're saying anti-Christian groups, against Christianity, against the patterns The biblical design of Christianity. And that's why I'm going to call up Daniel to preach my son. I'm kidding. (laughs) You know. um, I want you to first answer this one yourself. Because you, if you haven't already, you are going to get this question. On Facebook, on email, in person, at work by a family member, friend, or neighbor, once they know that you are a Christian, hopefully by your actions, not necessarily your words, will they ask you, is homosexuality a sin? And is it against God's design to live such a lifestyle? What would you say? Just think for a moment. How would you answer that question? Because you can't pull Pastor Phil out of your pocket and just say, what do you think? Now you can pull out the message because it's on your Elevation Community Church phone app or it's online or it's on YouTube live stream. Welcome live streamers, by the way. Um, but you need to answer this for yourself. And let me ask you this, as you're processing right now, where are you getting your facts and your resources for your answers? Well, Google... Okay, that that explains it. Where are you going for the truth? And so I want to lay out several serious points as a pastor, as a brother, as a friend to you, whoever's listening, whoever's watching. Several points before I answer this in a short answer form. So I'm going to give you the short answer from God's word. Then we're going to look at three points. We're going to kind of flesh it out a little bit and look at the three points that gives the biblical answer of what God thinks. So the first point is this. I am not claiming to be an expert. I am not an expert. I will say this, however, this is one topic that the Lord has given me a passion for probably since I was about 10 years old. I grew up in the theater arts almost all of my life. Me, personally, I never struggled with same-sex attraction, but everyone else around me did. I would say in college, I was lost and confused because I really didn't know how to approach this issue since 99% of the people in my theater department in college were either living that lifestyle or in support of that lifestyle, and they saw this subject matter in a very different light than I did. Obviously, I was never invited to their parties. (laughs) Probably a good thing. (laughs) Just saying. Breaking the ice a little bit. But in all seriousness, it was quite the opposite Um, I was the center of their mockery for four years. I was the center of their ridicule. I was uh, even the center of their rage and hostility to Christians. I will say very proudly in the Holy Spirit working in me that many of those I would call acquaintances and friends today because the Lord gave me a deep love for them that surpassed the sin in their life. And by the fourth year of college, they didn't like me, but they respected me. It's because they knew I loved them, and I didn't judge them. That's point number one. So I want you to know that my heart has been burdened and seasoned over this topic for many years. However, I don't have all the answers. Number two, I'm asking you to be, everyone, even online, fully engaged. Be fully engaged. And please, 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 if you know my heart, it's coming from a pure place. And if you don't agree with something that I say or something that I say offends you and maybe even causes emotional reactions because I've, I've been a part of that in conversations, um, don't, don't walk out if you, if you can. Don't tune me out because God's word needs to be listened from beginning to end. We can't just take one scripture and then say, well, this is it. And then just offend everybody else who doesn't believe with you. Because God is a God of love. That's the one characteristic that defines God. And that will never fade is his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so listen to the whole message. Listen to the whole message. Plug in and take ownership of weighing this topic with the word of God. Number three, this answer to this question is not about laws. It's not about policies. It's not about protest. It's about people. It's about people. Because Jesus did not come to die for laws and policies. He came to die for people. People, the way that God created people, is to love and to be loved. And now in our culture, and we've seen this for hundreds of years, even in Jesus' day, and before that, that people are looking for love in all the wrong places. I should write a song about that. Um, But they are. And many people are looking for love with same-sex relationships. And this has been around, like I said, for thousands of years. And so, number three is it's not about laws and everything else. It's about people. And let me even just say this too. It's not even about my opinions or your opinions or my experiences and my reasoning and even what I say to you today. It is really about what God says. Number four what is the utmost important as we address this issue is not to weigh the truth upon what the courts say. Not to weigh the truth upon what politicians say. Not to weigh the truth on what our reasoning will say, nor what the voice of our culture and generations will say. And again, I'm going to reiterate, it's not even about what Pastor Phil has to say. And I love you, it's not a matter of what you have to say. It's a matter of what God's Word has to say. And just like a perfect dish that moms or dads that you would present to your family, it doesn't need any more seasoning or sauce, right? And God's Word is just like that. It's perfect. It doesn't need you to add on to it. It doesn't need you to add your own opinion and reasoning to it. It doesn't need you to take Facebook comments and quotes and add to it okay? God's word is perfect. Psalms uh, 19.7 says, the law of the Lord, God's word is perfect without flaw, reviving the soul. And so hopefully every one of you with your welcome card received a handout. Would you please pull that out now? And because this is such a real struggle and battle and culture uh, reality, This is something you need to take ownership of. If you call yourself a Christian, you should know the answers to these questions, and I'm going to help you today. But this is something for you to take home, and there on on the bottom of that sheet is quite a few references that I have used to build this message, but also some extra articles and um, different things like that that you can look at and search. However, every article... Every resource written by an evangelist, written by a Christian speaker, written by a Christian author, author, needs to go through the power of the Word of God. Man is flawed. God is not. And his Word will stand forever. So that's point number four. (laughs) Point number five is, as you can tell, this is a sensitive subject, and there's going to be age-appropriate material that we talk about. So parents, if you have children... I'm not going to give you an age. Use your discretion. Uh, E-Kids is aware. There's someone at the registration now. They're aware that some people may come back. Just do know that I'm going to talk about sexual sin, and I'm going to be very blunt and um, very real about it, so I don't want to offend you parents with your kids in here. However, if your teens are in here, they already know about it. So what a great place for them to hear the truth. Number six. The reality for all of us is most of us, anyways, know somebody, has a loved one, who is either struggling with homosexual tendencies and attractions, or is living in a lifestyle of homosexuality. And you have people in your life who you care for, and this is a real struggle that the Church of Jesus Christ needs to be. Seeking the Lord and praying about. Because if the church is supposed to be a light to the dark places of the world, then we need to know not only what the Word of God says, but we need to know our role as Christians in addressing this matter. Would you agree with me? And so point number seven. I want to be absolutely absolutely clear about one thing i refuse to isolate homosexuality as the sin that is above all other sins especially in the circle or the sphere of sexual sin so in addressing this specific question i am not just going to talk about homosexuality because homosexuality is not above any other sin. And God doesn't see it as anything crazier or more rebellious than any other sexual sin that many of us may be experiencing and struggling with right in this very room. And somehow our culture has decided to make homosexuality the scapegoat to put the blame of sexual sin so that we could. Turn our eyes from our own. Holy Spirit, speak. God, we're listening to you. I want my words to be your words. Soften our hearts because, God, the truth is we need your Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us your word. Unveil our eyes to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So now the short answer. And as you can tell, it's going to take a little longer. I'm trying to slow down. I'm trying to take my time. And so um, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time if if the service goes a little long. Um, First off, we don't have a homosexuality problem. We have a sexual sin problem. We don't have a homosexuality problem in this country. We have a sexual sin problem that is rebellious to God's design. Like I just stated, we cannot separate homosexuality from other sexual sins or any sexual immoral lifestyles. For example, here we go. We're going to get real, okay? Sex outside of marriage, which is called fornication, is a sin. Period. Period. Now, marriage, according to the Bible, which in the long answer we're going to flesh out, marriage is defined as the sacred union between one man and one woman, biologically so, at birth. Adultery. Sleeping with another wife, another woman that's not your wife. Sleeping with another man or sleeping with another man that is not your husband is a sin. A sexual sin and offense to God. Divorce, apart from the very few biblical exceptions, is a sin. Lustful thoughts and desires for fantas- and, and fantasizing about the opposite sex or the same sex is a sin. Pornography, even pedophilia, is a sin. By the way, the Greek word for sexual immorality is pornea, where we get Pornography. This sexual sin problem that this world is facing is absolutely destructive and damaging to the person first and to the relationships, especially to the one relationship that matters the most, with Father God. Our society, church, is crumbling because of this sexual sin problem. You can't turn on the TV, the computer, or your iPhone. You can't drive past a billboard or let alone a store window front without being lured of sexual sin. Parents, I want to speak to you very clearly, myself included, because my son is growing up in this generation. Please, 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 I hope, parents, you realize all the lies and sexual deception and sin that is passing your son's and daughter's ears and eyes every day. Don't believe me? Just talk to Jacob. He's living life with these teens. He understands. Don't believe me? Go to their Spotify or their Pandora or any of their music and listen and look at the lyrics of those songs. I guarantee you 90% of them are talking about sex. Sex. For your own benefit, parents, look at the songs you're listening to. Look at the lyrics and ask yourself, what is pouring into me? And am I believing what I'm hearing? Because music, above all, has such power and influence on the mind. Just watch the TV shows your kids are watching. And I guarantee you, there are going to be controversial sexual sins that are either laughed about, mocked about, or are present. Even better, look at the TV shows you're watching. The problem and the struggle is real, church. I struggle and wrestle with this. And if you want to hear my testimony, I'd love to talk to you after church and share with you my testimony over my addiction of pornography in college, starting at the age of 15. Any sexual expression or fulfillment apart from God's perfect design is called sexual sin. Any sexual expression or fulfillment outside of God's design is considered sexual sin. Homosexually, heterosexually. So here's the layout I'd like to give you real quick. God formed us. He made us in his image. This is before sin entered the picture. He made us perfect like himself. There was no flaws. There was no sexual sin desires within us. Then sin entered the picture and deformed us. Everything about our physical humanity is deformed and desirable to sin. It even says that we were hostile and rebellious to God. That's our sinful nature. However, Christ can transform us. And so God formed us, sin deformed us, and Christ, if you let him, will transform you. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short, Romans 3.23, of the glory of God. We've sinned. We've messed up. Every single one of us. If you haven't, I would like to talk to you and and, and see what you have done to avoid this. But every one of us, as far as I'm aware, have struggled and have experienced sexual immoral thoughts, beliefs, or behaviors of any kind. And we are all in need of desperate, desperate saving. We are in need of the love and the salvation and the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. All of us. And when we receive that salvation, we are made new. And we're being transformed into Jesus' likeness by what? By fleeing sin, by staying away from our fleshly desires. And the Bible says this that we're going to read in a moment says to flee from sexual immorality. And so, as followers of Christ, how are we to respond to the LGBT community and people of homosexual and heterosexual sin? We are commanded as believers and followers of Christ to love as Christ loved us. If you have been here and listening to the messages of Dennis, Jacob, myself, and Daniel, it is all about this. We love people regardless. Hear me, don't tune me out. Regardless of their relationship with God, we love you. Regardless of your beliefs. Regardless of their race, ethnicity, their political views, and even their sexuality. Now we learned a few weeks ago that salvation is all about full reliance and trust on Jesus and what He did for us. However, the only thing that matters—the uh, um, only thing uh, um, that matters in regards to Galatians five six—according, that was the word I was thinking of—according to Galatians five six—is this. The only thing that matters, the only thing that matters, by by the way, I could say this many different ways, the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is faith working itself out in love. That's it, period. So our response, let me ask you this. You don't have to answer out loud. Are we to love the homosexual community and people in other sexual and moral lifestyles? Absolutely. Anything outside of that, of loving God, you are not living as Christ would have you. First John even says the love of Christ isn't in you. Are we as Christians to condone, agree with, and even cheer on any homosexual or heterosexual thoughts? Beliefs and behaviors outside of God's design? Absolutely not. Nowhere ever in God's Word does it tell us to encourage one another into sin. Yeah, you go, man. No, it's quite the opposite. We are neither to condone or condemn, but to love each person with the desire that they would encounter a relationship with Jesus. That's what matters. Let Jesus take them in their deepest pit. Let Jesus love them. Let Jesus clean them off. And let Jesus make them new. Because you can't do that. But what you can do is you can love them to Jesus. That is the short answer. Did you write all that down? Glad we have an iPhone app. Now, please stay with me as we go deeper into what the Word of God says about this. We will answer the question in three steps. Number one, we're going to look at God's perfect design because this is where confusion is. Well, God made me this way. Well, God made me this way. I'm wired for this. we got to know God's perfect design, okay? Then we got to understand that sin comes into the picture, and there's a root of sin. That's the problem. But not only is there a root of sin, church, There is a progressive pattern of sin, and it's like a drug. Uh, Some studies have said that it actually is the new drug. Sex is the new drug. And then we're going to look at our role as Christians in addressing this matter of sexual immorality. So number one, without wasting any time, God's perfect design. Please follow in your notes, and you can take notes yourself. God's perfect design for the expression and fulfillment of life and sexuality. Remember, sexual sin, which we're going to cover in a minute, is living sexual expression and sexual fulfillment outside of God's design. So we need to understand what does the Bible say about God's design of sex and relationship So it is very clear in Genesis 1 and 2. You can turn to Genesis 1 and 2. You can go on your app and follow along with me. I'm just going to point out a couple scriptures. It is very clear and it is on display for everybody to see what God's design is for sexual expression and sexual fulfillment before sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. When God says it's good and we do it His way, It is very good. Always very good. So what is good about this design? Well, let's look. Number one, sexuality is good. It is good. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Distinctly different genders. Distinctly, okay? Yet equal in value and worth. Equal. Equal. Distinctly different in gender, but equal in value and in worth. Gender differences is something that God celebrates, and it is in His perfect- perfection and His great plan to have these gender differences God doesn't make a mistake so we have sexuality is good number two reproduction good it's good and God blessed them and God said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and so do it what is he saying multiply make babies make more Adams make more Eves Make babies, multiply. How do they do that? Uh, The Bible says, I promise you, the Bible says, if you want to take your child through the birds and the bees, why are you doing it without the Bible's instruction? The Bible says it right here. I love this. Genesis 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. There's descriptive words there. And they shall become one flesh. That is how they multiply. Is they come together in sacred union under God's blessings. And so mer- reproduction is good, but only in the context of marriage, because marriage is Good. It is the design of God before any picture of sin in the world came into play. Man and woman are being united together as one flesh. Sexuality is good. Reproduction is good. Marriage is good. And finally, sex is good. It is good. (laughs) Genesis 2.25. Aren't you glad your kids are in E-kids? And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed (laughs) the theme of the old testament and and honestly the New Testament is sex is good in the context of God's design so let's define again sexual immorality is any homosexual or heterosexual expression or fulfillment outside of God's sacred design of sexuality reproduction of marriage and sex being good so now let's go to the root of sin here's the problem Genesis 3 sexual sin is absolutely destructive do not be lied to do not believe the deception otherwise it does such harm and damage to intimacy to relationships when it's designed outside of Genesis 1 and 2 so what does this mean for us today I'm going to talk briefly about homosexuality, okay? So I'm going to talk about this, and then we're going to come back to sexual sin. Homosexual thoughts, homosexual desires, and the homosexual practice is in direct rebellion against the pattern of God. It is defiance, church. It's not misunderstanding. It is in direct defiance of God's design. This is important. Because we are all, before sin, we are all made in the image of God, perfect in nature. However, we're born into sin now, and we now have a bent towards sexual immoral desires and waste. We have to understand that. We have to understand that. The moment we come out of the womb and breathe the oxygen the moment my daughter in September, Emery May, comes out of mommy's womb and she breathes in oxygen and starts to cry, Lord willing, she is stained in her sinful flesh with sexual sinful desires that are rebellious and counter to God's perfect ways. That's the power of sin, church. Church. And that's why we worship Jesus, because only Jesus breaks the power of sin. That's it. That's why we worship him. That's why we follow him. God does not make you sexually immoral. He would not be God if he did that and then said, sorry, you can't do this. He did not make you that way. He made you in his image. Well, it's just the way I'm made. It's the way I'm wired. That is not a proper understanding of God's word. We need to understand that the sinful, stained world wired us that way. That's why we have those sinful desires, sexually, heterosexually, or homosexually. Would you say to someone, maybe you would because this culture is starting to say this, would you say to someone who is living a lifestyle of multiple sex partners, adultery, pornography, incest, or going to strip clubs, you know what, it's okay, it's acceptable. Honey, it's okay. That's how you're made. You're made to do this. Go ahead and do it. Just saying. Just because we feel a certain way or are wired a certain way doesn't give us the right to act on those desires if they're outside of God's design. Our culture says differently. And this is the real battle that we face in our day as Christians. Our culture has embraced this, accepted this, and is is even redefining God's definition and design of sin. That's a problem. That is a problem. Our culture's motto is if you desire it, go for it. And now we have the government saying that the new definition of marriage is this and the institution of marriage is this. But to keep us focused on all sexual immorality, here we go. Sex outside of heterosexual marriage is in direct rebellion of Genesis 1 and 2. Multiple sex partners, adultery, is in direct rebellion of Genesis 1 and 2 sex before marriage this is tough because this is our culture and i love you if this is you i love you i love you i'm not judging you but we need to hear the word of god okay sex before marriage even if that person is the one that you are planning to marry is rebellion against god's design our cultures embrace this accepted this supports this even to where living together before marriage is truly the norm of our culture But the Bible is very clear, church, on this, that sex is reserved for the sacred union of marriage between man and woman. Incest and rape is outside of God's design. Sex with minors is not in alignment with God's design. seems everywhere I look on the news today, we're seeing more and more stories of teachers having sexual relationships with students. It's not right. Do I even need to mention how pornography is in direct rebellion of Genesis 1 and 2? Pornography has taken over our culture to the point where some statistics that I hear, and it varies from website to website to website, but is one out of every three men wrestle and struggle and dapple in pornography. That means maybe 15 to 20 of us men in here, that is a reality of your life. Women, you're not out of that stats. It is increasing, the percentage of women who are struggling with pornography is increasing by the day. First Corinthians, let's go to the Word of God, chapter 6, 9 through 11. Thanks for sticking with me. It says this, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters, because really sexual immorality starts with idolatry. Nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunk, uh, nor the drunkards or slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. Now let's go to verse 18 through 20. It says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins. All other sins that you commit are committed outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You are the temple of the living God. You know, and we we hear teaching about, you know, what you put in. Yes, there's good teachings about food, you know, what you put in, smoking, alcohol, what you put in. But really, what it's talking about, it's talking about your soul not your physical body necessarily. It's talking about what you are staining, your heart, your spirit. That's what's happening here. Sin, sexual sin hurts you. All of us in our sinful nature are looking for things and desires to fill the void that we have in our lives from rejecting God and stripping Him off His majestic throne in our hearts. That's the problem, church. Those sinful desires and temptations will look different for everyone. David Platt says this, we don't necessarily choose what sexual sin we are tempted with because the fall has stained us and we all have different sexual desires. But we all have the choice on what we give into, to, believe in, and act on. Andy Stanley says it this way, every sin comes prepackaged with consequences, destructive consequences. But we, as followers of Christ, are called to flee from sexual immorality. And before I lose you, I just want to take you to Romans 1. And I know this is a lot, but we already got stuff for next Sunday, so we can't break it into a part two. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans 18-24. through For what can be known of God, it's plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation, Genesis 1 and 2, of the world in the things that they have been made, that have been made. So they are without excuse. Here it is. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immoral God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts and their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. All sexual sin wounds and hurts people, destroys relationships. Se- sexual sin, as stated in the scripture, attacks the body and it is a drug that is taking over people's life. So what we see in Romans, and I'm going I'm going to go fast, okay? So you can write this down. We see a fourfold progression of sin. Fourfold. Okay? Write these down, please. It will benefit you, I promise. Number 1, what we see in scripture that we just read, and what's really cool about Romans 1 is it repeats itself three times. Well, it repeats itself two times. Does it three times. Okay? Sin disorders, it's not going to be on the screen. Sin disorders are worship. Thou shall not have any other God before me. We are to worship God and God alone. And sin disorders are worship. Verse 21, it says, they turned their hearts from God and they took God off His majestic throne and replaced it with other things. Are you with me? Here is church. The perfect picture of pride. Pride is the root to most sin. Pride is about I. Do you know what's in the middle of pride? P-R-I-D-E-I-I. The moment you focus on self, you are within self-righteousness and it is about you. You are now on the throne and God is not the center of my heart, my soul, or my body. He is not who I'm going to live for. That's what you're saying. We are all born with this heart of pride and bent towards sexual deviation. So then, out of our worship being disordered, we now sin disorders our belief and our thinking. Here's the pattern. Their thinking became futile. What futile means is useless or producing no valuable effect. And their foolish hearts were darkened. When God is no longer the center of your heart and your worship, It will affect what you think and believe. Amen? Number three, then sin disorders our desires. Sin disorders our worship, which then affects our thinking and our belief, and then sin disorders our desires. Sinful desires just don't pop up out of anywhere. It doesn't. It's the gardening principle. Any gardeners out here? It's the gardening principle 101. The root... Will affect the root, the fruit. The root will affect the fruit. The root of our sin flows from a heart that is sinful, a belief that is sinful, which then leads to sinful desires. Then those desires lead us to sin disordering our behavior. Disorders our worship, disorders our thinking and our beliefs. It disorders our desires and then disorders our actions. Romans 1.24, please put that on the screen. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. There we see the fourfold progress of sin. Are you with me? Because then we see it in verse 21 through 24. Excuse me, then it repeats itself in verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen disordered worship you see that disordered thinking and believing a lie then we go to Romans 26 through 7 for this reason saying because of this because of disordered worship because of disordered thinking Women exchanged natural relationships with for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts, and men receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Actions. And guys, read Romans 1. Then it repeats itself again. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God worship, God gave them up to a debased mind, which is the beliefs, and debased just basically means unable to think exactly like God's will provides. They were filled with all manners of unrighteousness, evilness, on and on and on, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. There is a pattern and progression to our sexual sin. I'm almost done, I promise. I couldn't think of a better person to give a quote than a, a dear, dear Dear friend of mine, if you're watching, bro, I love you and I miss you. haven't seen him in about 12 years, uh, but I performed with him professionally for about four years, and we became really close friends. He was in my wedding, and uh, one thing that most people don't know about him is he struggles with same-sex attraction, always has. Loves the Lord Jesus Christ with all his heart, is sanctified, transformed, but he struggles with sexual sin of the same sex. And it's something he just can't shake. Just like my struggle with looking at other beautiful women that aren't, that is not my wife. I struggle with that too. Because it's our sinful fleshly desires that want to take over. And so my brother says this. We have to remember the manifestations of sin that we see whether that be sexual sin, drunkenness, drug abuse, anything is actually the fruit of a deeper root. I feel that all sin stems from idolatry, worshiping anything and everything instead of God. Have you heard this before? Hopefully you were listening. The root is separation from the Father. The only thing that will kill the root and fill the void is reconnection to the Father. That is why Jesus came. Did you realize Jesus didn't came to draw people to himself? Never. He came to draw people to his Father. That is why the veil in the temple was torn. Man no longer separated from the Father. The root was destroyed, but now the reconnection from us has to be chosen. Everything God has done has been to get time with the fa- uh, f- to fulfill itself so Jesus could come, his blood be shed And the relationship between the Father and the creation could be restored. The root was destroyed, yet the redemption has to be chosen and received. Pride, self-righteousness, by the way, outside of his quote, do you know that that's the one sin that on earth that Jesus opposed was self-righteousness? Correct me if I'm wrong after the service, but I don't think there was any other sin that he opposed more than self-righteousness and pride. What's the solution? It's the scripture. God opposes the proud, but he exalts the humble. Humility. That's just free, by the way. The root was destroyed, yet the redemption has to be chosen and received. Pride and self must be sacrificed, and that takes us full circle back to the sim- symptoms of the root. So we got the design in Genesis 1 and 2. We've got the sinful root problem, and we got the Progression. And now we have our response today in 2017. This is the shortest point of my message. Because there's only one answer. We love as Christ has first loved us. You know what's interesting to me? We read all of Romans 1 as Christians and we use this against Debates with homosexuals and all this stuff. And we forget Romans two. I'm so guilty of this. You know what Romans two says. It says, therefore, you have no excuse, oh, man. You have no excuse, Phil Nelson, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. And what he means by that is you may not practice homosexuality. You may not be drawn to the same sex, but God doesn't see homosexuality apart from sexual immorality. There was a woman in Jesus' day who was drugged onto the scene and she was in sexual sin and she had the right to be judged by the law of the Old Testament. She had adultery. She had sex with another man that was not her husband. And the law said that she's to be tried and by the religious leaders and, and stoned to death. And thank God for that woman that Jesus was on the scene because he stepped in the middle before they cast a stone. And he began a new teaching, a new commandment of love. And he said, if any one of you, any one of you seated out here in Elevation Community Church has never sinned, go ahead and cast the stone and kill this lady. And after all the stones were dropped on the ground and people left, Jesus went to the woman in a lifestyle of sin and he said where are your accusers she looked around and she says they're gone and jesus says neither do i condemn you jesus the one we're following the one whose presence lives in us neither i condemn you There's another passage in Romans that says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news for all of us in sexual sin. That's good news. Now, Jesus didn't say, now go back to that man and enjoy your life in sexual sin. She encountered the love of God. She was changed because Jesus didn't accuse her And he said, then go and live a life without sin. Go and leave that lifestyle because that's not who you are anymore. So Jesus does not give us the right to condemn. He does not give us the right to judge and he does not give us the right to even support sexual sin either. Now when Christ, when we find Christ and we're changed, that does not mean that those fleshly, sinful desires, homosexually or heterosexually, will go away. Don't believe that lie. Maybe God could remove that from you. He hasn't removed some of my sexual desires from me yet. My, my fleshly, sinful, sexual desires. However, we're called to flee those, not accept them, not support them, but to flee. So loving as Christ is different than supporting and condoning. And by the way, I know I'm over time already, but let me say this. What I have observed in our culture today, even here in Blanchester, our young generation, my generation and below, what is happening is they're they're, they're really adapting to culture, and we're building a tolerance, and we think it's okay. It's what they've been taught. It's in the textbooks. It's in everything we read and we watch. And so it's just second nature. So please don't accuse your uh, uh, parents, don't accuse your kids when they're struggling with this and not sure why it's wrong. Lead them to the word of God. Lead them to God's design. Here's the other. So we have the younger generation struggling with condoning. The older congregation, the older struggles with condemning. Why? Why? It's not what you're used to it's always been there but now it's accepted now it's agreed now it's supported now it's even legal don't condemn watch how you label people in sexual sin be very careful because you are representing christ christ calls us to love them to jesus not condemn them or throw the bible I saw a testimony. It's actually on your resource sheet. Testimony of a lady, and she said she was living a homosexual lifestyle, and it was through a man of God, a pastor and his wife, that brought her to Jesus. And none of it included them preaching the gospel to her. They had dinner with her once a week. They went to her specific events. They supported who she was. And they loved her like Jesus. And she wanted what they had. And now she's going from university to church to church to share the gospel message can change a life. I want to read you a quote about how we have either built a tolerance to sexual sin or we're absolutely becoming the Pharisees and condemning people in this lifestyle. David Platt says it better than anybody I've heard, and it says this. It's on the screen. It makes absolutely no sense to be watching TV and to see footage of same-sex marriages and to roll your eyes or shake your head in disgust and then flip the channel only to stare uncritically at adultery in a drama or to laugh at the trivialization of sex on a sitcom or to gaze upon the seductive images that dominate just about every reality TV show, or to watch advertisements that are virtual prostitution as people sell us as followers of Christ their products based on their appeal to sinful sexual desires. This makes no sense at all. Disassociating or shunning the homosexual or the LGBT community is not God's answer. We are never to dehumanize a person for their sin, but to elevate them to a position to accept and embrace the love of Jesus and become a son and daughter of the living God. That's what it's about. It is his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It does not say it is his wrath and his condemnation that leads us to repentance. It's his loving kindness. It is Jesus who changes the heart. So why is the church still trying to do so by labeling one sin higher than the other? We have sexual immoral sin represented in this room all over the place. What's different if someone is struggling with homosexual sin and tendencies than you who are living in adultery by cheating on your wife or your husband? Or looking at pornography. Or living with a partner that's not your spouse. Think about it. When one captures the beauty and the majesty of Jesus, their life is changed. Their life is transformed. But it is a process of becoming more and more like Jesus and dying and Stripping away our sinful desires at the cross. All of us. And so as the band comes up, I want you to close your eyes wherever you're at. No distractions. Please, no getting up at this point. I want the Holy Spirit to minister to you if you will let him. There's two areas I want to walk you through in prayer right now. Confession. Here's the good news, church. You may feel really yucky, (laughs) really guilty, and really shameful right now for the sexual sin that's in your life. The good news is, is Jesus didn't leave us that way. That's why he loves us, and that's what should get us up every morning to worship him. He loves us. He doesn't accuse you. He doesn't condemn you. He says, get up in my love. Walk forward as a new creation. So the first area, where in your life, and even online, live stream, listening right now, stop what you're doing. Where in your life is there sexual sin? Where in your life are there desires for expression and fulfillment sexually sexually That's outside of God's perfect design. And are you willing to let it go? Just as the stones dropped against that adulterous woman. Are you willing to drop those stones and to bow at the cross? And be forgiven and cleansed and made new. All over the place. Just eyes closed. If that's you, if I'm speaking to you, just quickly put your hand in the air and bring it down. Sexual sin in your life that you just need to lay at the cross. There's more of you, but that's okay. Wherever you're at, you are forgiven. You are loved. And God wants to do new things in and through your life stop picking up those sins. Stop picking up those patterns. If you need help, we're here for you. Celebrate Recovery is as much for sexual sin as it is for drug addiction, alcohol, marriage strife, depression, discouragement. We offer that every Tuesday night. Come, be encouraged. Don't be judged. You won't be judged. You won't be condemned. You'll be loved because we all struggle with sin. So we address the sexual sin in our lives and we say, Jesus. I've sinned against you. I have stripped you off the throne of my heart and I have put myself there and I can't do it to you anymore. Come and cleanse me and forgive me and make me new, God. And when I go to strip you off the throne again, remind me that you stripped yourself and you went to the cross for me. And the second category is where in your life have you not represented Christ in His love to those in sexual sin? Where have you cast judgment Where have you cast condemnation? Where have you been in arguments where you're just trying to pound them with the word of God and trying to tell them that they're wrong and that they need Jesus? Where are you just trying to convert the homosexual? You're not really worried about them. You just want them converted so you can say you got someone converted. That's pride. Jesus, help us love like you love. And that love does not accept and condone or support sin, but it loves people. It loves people. It loves people. It loves people. God, we don't want to... I just don't like that approach of love the sinner, hate the sin. I can't stand that. Whether or not you believe it or not, that's okay. It's love the sinner, period. Love the sinner like Jesus. Love the sinner as you love yourself, Who is a sinner saved by grace?